all over. Howie Roseman had an opportunity to trade for Jadavian Clowney, and like a coward, he didn't make the move. And that same guy went out and ended the Eagles season. And let me put another bow on this. Institutional arrogance was put on full display on the last play of the Seattle Seahawks drive when they iced the game on a deep ball to DK Metcalf who was chosen after Howie Roseman and crew decided to sign or to to select JJ Ortega Whiteside. Isn't that ironic? Welcome into Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Across the table from me is Bob Wankel. Find him on Twitter at Bob Wankel CB. I think we would have had a different outcome yesterday had the franchise quarterback not gone down in the first quarter. Just a hunch. Just a hunch. Next to him. Kevin Kincaid. Find him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. You a big Alanis Morissette fan back in the day? Oh, yeah. I sampled her entire catalog <laughs> back in the mid-90s. I bet. Wow. Next to me, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Ant San Philly. Look, all I have to say is, and we gotta, we're going to talk about this whole Eagles thing and Clowney and Wentz, whatever. There is a bigger problem that was the result of football in the NFL yesterday. And I'm going to go old man yelling at the cloud for you guys a little bit later today. Oh, I can't, can't wait for that. <laughs> Time for some for exciting that. radio here on 610 ESPN. Well, well, listen, didn't uh, Uncle Joey date Alanis Morissette? Yeah. Uncle Ryan? Joey? Yes. Cut it out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did yeah, not cool, know that. Yeah, yeah. So no that way. song well, that they do Canadian. with the crooked eye on the, on the bear or whatever, that was what he gave to her, and that's in the song. So, yeah. <laughs> there really? you go. Well. Look at Lennox. Now, that's DJ, DJ Lennox. Now, DJ so. Lennox back there. DJ Tanner. People, people are going to have to. Oh, uh, man. It's all coming oh, together. Oh, oh, oh. That wow. Was Bob Wankel. That was as fast a response <laughs> yeah. as I've heard in forever. Bob popped up on coffee. DJ Tanner, DJ Lennox. It's all. Wowee. This is. <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. In a, it was an appropriate intro. It was an appropriate introductory song, because what I mean, really, what the theme of the whole year was it not injuries and the medical tent and injured reserve and what else could possibly go wrong here? So the denouement. Oh no, the denouement's in the middle, isn't no, it? No, denouement's on the way down. On the right? way down. Okay, yeah. so Falling the, the uh, not the crescendo, the 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 end the uh, the end game here, how it ended uh, in symbolic fashion of the most important player going into the medical tent and then going to the locker. Like you really could not have drawn up a better, like most more ridiculous storyline than that. You well, you, you asked this a couple weeks ago. You said, at what point is it, will it be one too many injuries? Yeah, it, it just, we found the answer. There it is. There it is. Hey, I but, saw some, I saw some takes out there uh, yesterday that, you know, oh. it's like my wish list for the Eagles off season. Cornerbacks, number one, two wide receivers, three, a new training staff. Can we talk a little bit about the training staff? Just just quickly, I just want to touch on this. How much of this do you do put you on the, the training staff? Or do you just say, like, look, this is bad luck. It was just an extreme case of bad luck. Or do you I think would, there's I would something only point, to this? No, I, I'd pre- think probably more of last year. I think when they had those situations of guys who were ready to come back at certain points in the year. And then either they came back too early or they had a setback or something like that. I think in that case you can look at it a little bit more. But, like... 
dude gets speared from behind, helmet to helmet. I mean, I don't know what the training staff can do. About yeah, that. I, I don't think what, that it had yesterday specifically. What the training staff can do about about Jordan Howard, you know, and about in the case of like Deshaun Jackson, you know, these guys have options to do what they want. You know, it's not like the the team tells them what to do. I mean, that's not you know, it's like in the collective bargaining agreement they can get second and third opinions and stuff like that. So yeah, again, it's just something too that's like impossible to quantify. Like, and qualify. I, like to me, I would I would be putting it on the training staff if these injuries were hamstrings groins you know things that are related to how how stretched out you are or how you know in shape you are or something along those lines yeah but when you're talking about injuries that are as debilitating as the injuries that the eagles have suffered this year how can you put that on a training staff i mean they are compact they are impact injuries that are occurring to them on the football field I, I agree with you. I think in the heat of the can. moment when you watch yeah. the game unfold, you just go, this is incredible. I can't believe this. Someone has to take the blame for it. But I think when you step back and you realize in isolation, uh, you know, the majority of these things have been freak, you know, freak occurrences that I think are well beyond the scope of what the training staff can do. Well, you know, I think if you're uh, if you kind of look at it from a macro point of view, we I think I think we all were kind of in agreement here that at some point it would probably just catch up to them right I mean did we think that the injuries were just that once they got to play a better team in the playoffs be it this week or next week if they had advanced that eventually the luck would probably run out yeah I think we were all kind of thought that might be the case but uh are you legitimately do you look at points in this game and say they left plays out on the field is there a legitimate disappointment to feel that they got into the red zone and went over three in the red zone I mean do you feel like the the fourth and four pass that was behind Miles Sanders and dropped. Like, I'm trying to trying to take the temperature of, of Eagles fans because I feel like I hear a lot of, like, oh, well, it was a good season and they played hard and they got to nine and seven. But, I, I, you know, I feel like they're – honestly, I feel like there are plays they left out there. The disappointment on my end isn't that the season is over or, or that it went down the way that it did. It's – and I said this at the end of the last show when I was kind of, like, joking around about, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in on them winning – there was that storybook setup coming where Lane Johnson was going to come back. You, you got Zach Ertz back yesterday. Lane Johnson was probably going to come back next week. Deshaun Jackson was going to come back. You get the unpredictability, the ability to finally stretch the field, pop the top off the defense, and, and maybe catch a team off guard in the next round. And, and that, to me, this is this was like the thing that was bothering me because I didn't want to get emotionally invested in, in that game yesterday because I... I didn't think they were going to win. They, they've never beaten Russell Wilson. Like, I've said the same things all, all these times, and I'm not trying to relitigate that. It's just I didn't really believe they'd have a shot. I, I was proud of the team. I was proud of, of honestly, and I, and I felt really bad for Josh McCown. Um, I think the disappointment I actually felt was more for him because here's a 40-year-old guy who comes in, first-ever playoff game, and is he the dynamic playmaker that Carson Wentz is? Absolutely not. Does he go in there and give your team a chance to win that game? He does. No turnovers. Yeah, completed he's, 75% he's, of his passes. He's accurate, accurate. That, that ball to Miles Sanders, all right, is it behind him a little bit? Is it a little bit low? Maybe. Does Miles Sanders make that catch eight out of ten times? Probably. Probably. Yeah. And, and so I can't say that I'm upset about the way that it went down. I'm disappointed of looking at what the, the hypothetical could have been had they won of what next week would have set up to be. Yeah, I, I just, you know, and for Josh McCown, imagine you're 40 years old, you get to play in your first playoff game, and the last, probably the last play that you will ever have uh, in an NFL uniform is getting sacked from behind on fourth and seven and probably sitting there thinking about it for the rest of your life, thinking maybe I should have just tried to chuck that thing up there, like shoveled it forward or just gotten it out of my hands somehow. 
Um, I mean, he looked okay. He looked mobile in some instances where I think he did a good job of kind of not. Uh, well, I was going to say not like Carson Wentz, but like Ben Roethlisberger. But I think we compared the two of them at some point on this show, where we said they they aren't they aren't going to like you know dodge forty guys at once, but they kind of like find a way to shuffle around there and keep plays alive. And I think he was doing a little bit of that. But I just they they just didn't have a lot of. I, you know, again, I feel like I've used this word 400 times since we started doing this radio show. But again, like dynamic playmaking ability. The pot- like it just was it was not there from him, nor was it, I mean, he's, he's throwing the ball to Deontay Burnett and Shelton Gibson in the playoffs. So The pocket presence that he showed after not having really played any meaningful minutes this season and coming in in such a high pressure situation with no preparation. I was I, I think more than anything, I was just shocked. And maybe it's the instinctive football player. You play the game your entire life. But the pocket presence he showed and the the willingness to stay in and take the hit, and maybe part of that is because he knows that Nate Sudfeld's not active, that it would have to be your best receiver, Greg Ward, coming in to play emergency quarterback. Maybe it's, there's there's no – he demonstrated nothing that would make you feel like there's a little bit of self-preservation. This isn't a guy who's looking for the next contract. He knows that he's at the end, likely, of his career. And he goes out there and, and gets to kind of live out that, that childhood dream, right, where you get to go out and, and play that one meaningful game, get that first playoff – you know, experience at 40 years old. I, I was so impressed by him. Bob, you... Yeah, no, I mean, it's not like I'm not impressed by what Josh McCown did. He gave him a chance to win the game. In between the 20s, they were pretty effective. Like you said, he completed 75% of his passes. The Eagles actually ran the ball with some success over four yards of carry. I'm they not sure. They tried, to, they tried to establish it when he when he came in, too, you know. I, I'm did not sure, notice, though. Did they, attempt, did they attempt a pass into the end zone yesterday? Because oh, I God, I don't know. No, don't recall they, it. Well, no, because they had the uh, the sack. And, and to they me, had that's the Greg Ward flip. Was that in the red zone? Yeah, that's what's frustrating. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, Carson Wentz shines when he's in the red zone. That's where he's at his best. And you know, I think it's easy to say, like, well, obviously, if he doesn't get hurt, maybe it's a different outcome. But I think there's a direct correlation between him being out of the game and where the Eagles faltered yesterday, and that was inside the 20-yard line. And for them not to finish some of those drives was frustrating, as well as McCown played or as admirably of an effort that he gave. To me, I don't think you can be angry or upset with this Eagles team. The fact that they got there, I think there's something to be said for that. The way that they acquitted themselves yesterday, I think that it was an admirable performance. But yeah, it, it kind of feels like there might have been a little bit they, of meat left on this bone. Yeah, you know? I, think, I think so. I mean, when, when you get when you go down, when you get when everybody kind of gets is able to you know swim past the the murkiness of the Jadavion Clowney hit and the Carson Wentz thing and all the angst over the officials. I mean, when you look at two key stats yesterday that told the story of the game, and number one was zero for three in the red zone. 0 for 3. The second they, one was... Yeah, in the red zone, but they got within the 35 times, and the other two were field goals, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, mean but, you know... In scoring range, five times They were there, there yeah. yeah. And, you know, they had a... I think they had a false start on the one that, that yeah. backed them up. I think they had a negative play that, that pulled them back on the other one. Uh, Doug Doug was kind of hesitant on that first field goal drive, too. I felt like they yeah, were that, moving the ball pretty that well. That third down running play... Well, I think they had a second down running play, and then they threw like a swing, pa- yeah. swing pass on the third yeah. down, which kind of was just like I. It just felt like strangely unaggressive from him after after, uh, you know, a couple years of watching him. Uh, I'm curious to know what your other stat is because I have one. Well, it's th- it's three for eleven on third down. Okay, twenty seven point three percent. So, um, wrote it down here. Third downs, the Eagles were fourth best in the regular season in the NFL, the National Football League. They were forty five percent. So three for eleven is twenty-seven percent, man. That's disappointing. They go for forty-five percent 
uh, to 27%. And that, that number actually is worse. That, that would have made them 33rd in the NFL overall in the regular season. Uh, Seattle, Seattle, meantime, converted a lot of third downs. They were 8, eight for 15 on third down, 53%. And they were only converting to 39% in the regular season. And they season. were converting long third downs yesterday, long including third downs. a back-breaking, what was it, third and 15 um, yeah. towards the end oh, of the third quarter. Oh, the one quarter. where Nigel Bradham yeah. whiffed mm-hmm. on the uh, the tackle in the open field. And they also had the other the, the big chunk gain right before halftime, too, where Russell Wilson was moving backwards. There was a there was a missed tackle from LeBlanc, I think, and then they yep. had um, uh, Moore down the sideline. You got your stat? Yeah, I have a stat. Go ahead. Four catches for 29 yards from the wide receivers yeah. yesterday. And, I mean, I yeah. know that I believe yeah. it was Deontay Burnett drew a pass interference Mm-hmm. Uh, penalty and uh, Shelton Gibson, Gibson as well, yeah, Gibson but I mean, come people. on, you, you just yeah. and that's the thing that you keep going back to. You talk about the lack of explosiveness and the the blatant lack of speed in this offense, and those things definitely you know played they out. Had, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, so Goddard had seven for seventy three. Ertz, who was playing injured, two for forty four. He was only targeted four times. Greg Ward, three for twenty four. He actually lost yardage on on one of those because the underhand toss counts as a pass and that was blown up for like four or five yards behind line so if you take that away really because that's more a running play than anything greg ward probably had two catches for 19 20 yards something like that you know yeah but here's the one thing i want to say all this stuff aside, which I'm no, 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 no. We haven't got no, not yet. <laughs> not, we're still on the Eagles. Stay tuned. We haven't talked. We haven't gotten to the injury. We're gonna yet. save that. Okay, yeah, we're gonna save that one. Um, all that said, the Eagles were with two minutes to go in the game, ten yards away from tying the Seahawks with Josh McCown as your quarterback. I, I the team. They you know, sit there and say, "Well, you know," and this this goes back to Russ saying, "Oh, you know, they don't. They just never beat Russell Wilson." Okay, they they haven't beaten Russell Wilson, but I'll tell you the last two times they played Russell Wilson that if they had any kind of you know, real quarterback play, and that was Wentz's worst game of the season, hands down, five five turnovers, and then you know you got Josh McCown out there just kind of managing a game. I mean, you know, he was like you said, admirable, but. They didn't throw to the end zone. They didn't try and do anything downfield at all. Or, and, and, you know, nothing really creative. They really stripped it down to be basic, thinking that that might be the best way to go. If you have any creativity at all, you're going to win that game. And that's even, why I even was with, with you. McCown. And that's even why I was with you that the Eagles were going to win this game. I, my belief was not necessarily in the Eagles. It was that Seattle is not a good team. And what I had said going into this was that they're not going to be able to run the ball. They didn't. Under three yards per carry. 26 it's, carries for 64 yards. It's, yeah. That offense is 10 guys. Well, DK Metcalf. I mean, nine guys, DK Metcalf and Russell a magician. Yeah. You know, and he's just kind of dragging them along. And again, he played well yesterday. 18 to 30, over 300 yards. Made plays when he had to. Had almost 50 yards on the ground. But they scored 17 points yesterday. That, that Seattle team is just yeah. its a flawed team. The Eagles had opportunities. And yeah, you can feel good about where they finished up and the fact that they made it and you know they fought and underdogs and all that nonsense but at the end of the day yeah it does feel a little bit to me like could this team with the additions that Russ talked about earlier getting them back into the fold could they have gone to Green Bay and won that game I I don't know I don't know that I would have said that but I do think that they could have given Green Bay a game you know to use the word of the night an admirable effort well they could have because not only you know you beat them once up there already this year but you take it back to a similar situation last year where they went into New Orleans against a team that they nobody yeah. thought they would have a chance against. How about that team? Well, I want to talk about that a little <laughs> Man, bit. That's, that that's brought part of my... me great joy. You're going to talk about the NFL officiating, aren't you? you? Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to talk more about yeah. that, more than just the officiating. It's more than just the officiating. It, well, it's the league in, in and of itself. 
But that's right. Well, we, we, I can save it for after the break. They, I don't uh, need to dive into it now. Yeah, I mean, Seattle made some some pretty big mistakes in that game. You know, they had 14 penalties for 114 yards. They had the defensive holding on third and long. They had a defensive pass interference on the first drive in the third quarter. They had to burn that early timeout in the second half. Uh, Wilson had Metcalf again down the sidelines on another deep look, and he overthrew him. Uh, there was a defensive play. Remember the one where they tackled Miles Sanders forward for four yards, which should have been a first down. I don't know why they spotted the, that ball the way they did. Pass interference on Shelton Gibson, of all people. You know, it's like, you know, again, like I, I, I think a lot of people are just like uh, sitting here saying, well, you know, they fought hard. They won four in a row. They got to 97, and they won the, won the division. But I'm honestly surprised that people aren't more – aren't a little bit more pissed off than than they are right now. You it's know? because the Super Bowl made everybody soft. Did it, though? No. I, 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 uh, I I'll tell you what it is. It's they've, they've drugged their anger into the whole Jadavian Clowney is a jerk. For that's, Oh, so that's where it's being directed. Yes. So it's, not, it's being uh, portioned out in a, in a way. In, in a different not. way. Yeah, that's a good way. All to right, fine. Yeah. Let me throw a takeout. Oh, here we here go. We go. I, I'm... Locked the best the thing, table. the best thing to ever happen to Carson once was getting knocked out of this game. Because can you imagine <laughs> what the fans, uh, <laughs> what the fans would have said in this city Cut his if Carson Wentz had gone out and laid a goose egg? Uh, I don't actually mean that. <laughs> well, here's the thing: because I mean, you don't, you don't. But, we, but we, you know, you know that all of the full stands and all the anti Wentzers, if he goes out yesterday and they lose this game, um, and and the score is the same. Sure. Eagles only put up nine points. Sure, don't, 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 don't deliver it in the he red needs zone. To play those four yada yada quarters. yada. So we so the we end up with the so, so so the Carson Wentz first playoff game storyline instead of being possibly a negative is now just not applicable. Yeah, because we didn't get an. I mean, one eight one plays. for four for three yards. I mean, we didn't get enough to. So you know, again, like we talked about this last week, but I, I asked you guys, like, do you feel like he answered the questions of staying healthy for the year? Well. Yes, no, I do. Put an asterisk on it. I mean, because it's not that's that's not a thing where it's like. I mean, these are some of the crap takes came on Twitter where it's like, oh, well, I've, he's, I've, got he's, them, <laughs> I've got them loaded up. This is not the same as like, uh, you know, having a, um, you know, like a like a chronic like knee issue or something, right? This is like somebody spearing your head into the ground because this is not something that qualifies as a, a guy being injury prone or susceptible to it. Like he got speared into the ground by. Jadavian Clowney. Let me throw out a few really fun takes that came out after <laughs> after the Carson Wentz. These are not your takes. These, these are, are not mine. These okay. are these come from. We should have done a game. Quote, is, un- is this Russ, a Russ take or <laughs> someone else's? <laughs> so, That's actually a pretty good. That segment. is that is yeah. a good one. All right, yeah. come up with it. Get Lennox on it. Danny Cannell, uh quote tweets Dan Orlovsky, who's calling out the people for saying that Wentz is injury prone. Danny Cannell says respectfully disagree. Not saying Wentz is soft, but some dudes aren't built for the NFL. Until Wentz plays a full season, it's more than a fair question. Orlovsky responds, fair. He did play a full season this year. Took a hit, he took a hit to his head on a play that can easily be flagged. That's not injury prone. That's not always something with him. He took a hit to his head by a 280-pound dude. Cannell responds, yes, congrats on making it through an NFL season. He's not made it through 50% of his career unscathed. But I mean, if you can't finish the entire season, right, isn't that the enough? Yeah, the, enough. The definition. Enough. Enough. What? I'm glad you read it though. Well, Danny, Danny Cannell, go ahead. Danny Cannell's an idiot. Yeah. Well, so here's well, what I, I, but I, I need to give the context. You gave enough context. He's an idiot. Isn't it amazing though? Like he has 340,000 followers. Then he's got 340. There's 340,000 idiots out That's there. That's what I said. <laughs> 
And it's amazing to me that we care. Josina Anderson. I was going to get there next. But isn't it amazing that we care so much about the Danny Cannells of the world and Josina Andersons of the world? And I know that we're here on 610 ESPN. But, um, you know, I just... Who cares about Josina Anderson and what she tweets? Who cares? I mean, Danny people Cannell are going to go bent former... out of shape about Josina Anderson and a backup quarterback for the Giants that played in what, like, well, here's, 12 here's games? A, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I think Hugh Douglas came out yesterday and said that he put a hit on somebody back in the day that nobody complained about. Yeah. But, it was Jim Miller in the yeah, 0-2 yeah, yeah. playoffs yeah. or playoffs? Like the yeah. difference there is that the rules were different. Yeah. You know, yeah, so but, the rules were different. So, I, like, I look at all these people who are, like, former players who you would otherwise respect, oh. and, like, you think that they would have – Decent takes otherwise, but they're also analyzing the game from a, di- from yeah, a different Yeah, but all, all you need to know about the Danny Cannell take is he went on another interview today and tried to defend his take by saying that Steve Young's body also wasn't made for the NFL. Okay? Because he got a concussion uh, at the end yeah. of his career. I mean, the guy's a whole was a Hall of Fame Super Bowl yeah, winning yeah, yeah, quarterback, yeah. Yeah. but he his body wasn't made for the NFL. Stop it. Shut the guy down. Yeah, you know, like four <laughs> years ago, Danny Cannell had implied that concussions were fictional and that they were an assault on the nfl just yeah. for full context yeah know. yeah um well so, so do you want to talk about the hit itself let's the, do it after the, the break a- after, after the break, the break yeah. let's analyze the hit okay. and some of the hit pieces that came out immediately thereafter if you want to get in 888-728-9941 again that's 888-728-9941 this is crossing broadcast on 610 espn philadelphia Hey, hey, that's how we've won all year, team, right? Yes, sir. Hey, right. you hold him to 20 points, man. Yes, sir. Gave us a chance at the end. I got three words for you. You like that? Ah, yeah. uh, three words from Kirk Cousins. How you like that? I got three words for you, Russ. Odd Logic Brewing. Ooh, nice transition, Mr. San Filippo. Odd Logic <laughs> Brewing Company. Located in Bristol, PA, 500 Bristol Pike. They are the go-to. I have to be honest. Kevin Kincaid, who sits catty corner to me every week, is a guy. He, he is a beer aficionado. Takes his wife, his small child, to every brewery this side of the Mississippi. She doesn't drink, though. The small child. My, <laughs> oh, okay. wife, my wife does, but All right. the small Woo. child does not. Yeah, Woo. Yeah. Odd Logic Brewing Company is the place to go. I'm going to tell you why. Not only does Odd Logic Brewing Company have some of the most innovative beers, they have food trucks available every day of the weekend, and they're a place to go that you can feel safe and feel good about taking your kids with you. they got the video game corner set up in the upstairs, open kind of plan, great place to go. But let's talk about Odd Logic Brewing and, and what they've got going on this weekend. Food trucks Thursday, it's bring your own food or delivery. Get it called right in. Life's good. Friday from 5 p.m. on, they've got stuffed buns. Saturday, 4 p.m. on, they've got Burrito Felice. What does a stuffed bun consist of? That's the name of the company. Stuffed buns. It's a food truck. Sunday from 2 p.m. on, they've got Chuck's Barbecue. (laughs) But let's talk about what Odd Logic's got going on tap. It's a new year, and here's the best thing. This is why we like Odd Logic Brewing so much. Because they are constantly innovating. They have four variations. Pay attention. Four variations of a 9% stout going on this weekend, including a cookies and cream coffee variant on Nitro. Let me say that again for the folks. Four variations of a 9% stout this weekend at Odd Logic Brewing Company, including a cookies and cream coffee variant on Nitro. 
Now, I know some people like to say, hey, Odd Logic Brewing Company sounds like a great place. Would love to go. Bristol's kind of far. Bucks County. Listen, be an adult. Put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants. Get in the car. Call an Uber, a Lyft. Get your grandma to drive you. Get your best friend to drive you. Doesn't matter. Designated, designated driver. Get out to Odd Logic Brewing Company and have a good old time. Plus, they have a few new beers coming this weekend, including a hazy IPA, a traditional American IPA called An Off We Go that has citrus and tropical fruit flavors with a classic IPA, slightly bitter finish. And here's one for Bob, an Irish red ale coming to the taps as well. Sounds tasty. Does sound tasty, doesn't it? Plus, on Saturday, in addition to Burrito Feliz from 4 p.m. on, they have uh, live music playing from 7 to 10 p.m. Odd Logic Brewing Company, 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. Get out there. You will not regret doing it. And make sure when you go out there, you tell them that you heard about them on Crossing Broadcast. That's Ryan, a great Ryan, you. Ryan Lennox is back there, Stevie wondering side to side. <laughs> he wants to say something. Around the mic. Go ahead. So, so maybe I'm off on Friday. What was the name of that food place uh, again? <laughs> Stuff buns. buns. I actually have the Stuff Buns website up right Do now. Do you really? Yeah, I took a chance. And, and uh, I'm here, and it looks looks pretty good. <laughs> looks looks tasty. What do they have on the menu? Uh, it looks like we have some sliders, uh, some some burgers, things like that. All right, yeah, standard food truck. And stuff. wash it down with some of Odd Logic Brewing's fantastic beers. Get over there. Remember. What was it, Anthony? Two weeks ago, they were putting their double IPA through fresh pineapples. They're always out there. They always have uh, handcrafted cocktails there as well. It's a great place to go. Make sure you get out there. 500 Bristol Pike. Let them know you heard about them stuffed, over on our show. Stuffed buns. Not not to be confused with hot cross buns, which was a song that you were taught when you were a kid. On the recorder. Killed it on the recorder. B-A-G-B-A-G-B-B. Did you do a recorder up there in Schuylkill County? No, we had flutophones. Flutophones? Flutophones. They were white with a little bit of red on the mouthpiece. It's they, essentially a recorder. Yeah, they, they came without uh, indoor plumbing. Okay. Let, uh, let uh, me uh, tell uh, you why the United States of America is going downhill. It has nothing to do with foreign back? policy. The United States of America is going downhill. Did you know that they now have recorders that you cannot overblow, hence the squeak? Like, that was part of the fun of terrorizing your music teacher when you are in elementary school, wasn't it? Oh, God, it? yeah. I remember, like, all the, the people who couldn't, like, carry any kind of tune or didn't have any, like, mu- music, of, of innate music ability. There was just the uh, squeak, 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 squeak. I don't know how the music teachers uh, dealt with that. But there you go. But now they have it. But now we have it. You can't overblow. And now there's no whistling. Anyway. Guys, what the hell are you talking about? Let's get back. Yeah, let's go back to the Eagles. Speaking (laughs) of no whistling, uh, Jadavion Clowney's hit didn't even warrant a uh, review, didn't warrant a flag, didn't warrant much of anything from NBC who didn't talk about it. They didn't mention it on the halftime. Michelle Tafoya didn't ask about it. Uh, I feel like we were, like, Philly sports fans were kind of in an echo chamber. You know, why ain't anybody talking about this? Not only did they not talk about it, but I felt like they were they were constantly just putting salt in the wound every time they showed Jadavian Clowney making a play. And then after the game, the first guy they go to as part of the interview is Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, and then Metcalf was the other guy. It was like a double slap. The Metcalf the thing is fine. Yeah. Like, I have nothing against no, the No, but it was just like, f- But Jadavian figure, Clowney you know, is it. essentially propped up for taking Carson Wentz out of the game. And they make no mention of it. Yeah. Am I allowed to make mention of who Jadavian Clowney victimized snap after snap after snap in well, that look, game? The dumb, the dumb thing is like, look, okay, the, the penalty, you get a penalty, you get 15 yards, right? So it's not, it's not like in the course of the game. Okay, Carson Wentz is still out of the game. Josh McCann is still yeah, This isn't college in. football. He wasn't going to be ejected from the game. Yeah, it's, know, not tar- like- it's not reviewed for targeting or whatever the heck, you know. But uh, 
you know, the, the, I think I think my problem with all of it more than just how it was handled, all the all the bad takes and like the lack of talking about it on the broadcast and stuff like that was again we got an explanation after the game that just didn't really seem to match up with what we've been told in the past. You know, if you they they, they categorized him as a runner and said that the contact was incidental, and uh, okay, okay, that's fine. Like if he's di- and, and we had all kind of said, look, if Carson's going to keep diving like like this, then maybe he's going to put himself at risk of something like that, it, it doesn't mean that it's his fault because it was still a dirty, cheap, late hit, and he was leading with his helmet. But, you know, the, the explanation that we got, if you if you go back to the Atlanta game in week two and you think about the two-point conversion that yep. he tried where his knee touched down before he got into the end zone and they ruled him down because Al Riveron comes out uh, and has the audacity to say that he was giving himself up in a play where he had to at dive the for line. the goal line. <laughs> Or else there was nothing else. I mean, I don't. There's no, there's no logical way that you can tell me that a player is going to give himself up in an all or nothing situation. Can, can we talk? So what I needed, I'm, I'm almost over. So Sean Smith comes out last night, or whatever the hell the referee's name is, right? And he says the player was a runner. Okay, but but if the if the difference here is that we because Carson was was contacted and he was kind of like tripped up by the safety, then stipulate that. Tell the tell the pool reporter, you know, he was touched by a defensive player, and we had ruled him as a runner, and therefore the contact that happened after that was incidental. Okay, because now you got two different plays from two different weeks with two different explanations that don't that, that don't match up. You know, sorry, man. No, that's all right. Can can we talk about the the broadcast a little bit? I mean, when I watch the Eagles, I I tend to find myself getting annoyed by Chris Collinsworth. I generally think though Chris Collinsworth is is a decent broadcaster, and I I. Typically like the NBC broadcast. I don't I think find he's it like superior. as bad as I don't think he's as bad as everybody yeah, says, I, says he is. I certainly find it superior to the ESPN broadcast on Monday Night Football. I, I do. Oh, and, sorry. and and you look at the graphics packages. I think that generally speaking, they do a decent job. But it was baffling to me last night. Like I don't get upset about Josine Anderson. I don't get upset about Danny Cannell or Brandon Stokely or Freddie Mitchell or anybody else that had something to say about Carson Wentz today. But I I found it very strange that they did not broach that subject whatsoever or did not replay that and talk about the consequence of the hit the the you know the legality of the hit or the potential illegality of the hit it was just completely ignored and I I found that to be stunning yeah I so I think the one thing about it too is that nobody realized right away what had happened because I think we came back correct me if I'm wrong I think they came back from a commercial break and then that's when you had the shot of him kind of walk into the locker room. It wasn't like one of these things where it happened on a – they came back and it was first down and Carson went down and was laying there. Like the the, the way that the, the thing unfolded, it just – it was very subtle actually for an injury of that kind, you know, but then he was off the field. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, he's walking into the locker room. So that so in in that moment there, no, there wasn't necessarily an opportunity for them to go right to it or say, oh, this is – well, oh, my God, let's talk about it. But yeah, you had the whole rest of the game. You know, the whole rest of the game where McCown is in there and you could have gone back to the clowny hit and you could have said here again here's the the hit that knocked Carson Wentz out of the game I had thought like that- that's that's relevant you can revisit it you can talk about it. I mean how big of a topic was lowering the helmet this well, this time last and year and I, you know? I, I thought that the halftime show was going to be where they were going to recalibrate like uh, of all the of all the crews for this to happen like I did not expect NBC to be the announced team, the broadcast team that blew it. And I expected this recalibration at halftime. And then coming back out of the ha- of the um the studio show, 
that they were going to go back to Collinsworth and he was going to give you a real breakdown. They were going to pull from the NBC archives and have comparable hits that show precedent about taking a quarterback down from behind, helmet-to-helmet hits on quarterback, giving yourself up the Atlanta well, play. that's what you got to do. And, that's and what, it was yeah. just like, to me, it was just... That, that to me, I think, was like that compounded the disappointment. And then it was almost like... A lot of times, Eagles fans feel like everybody hates them and that, like, you know, no one likes us and Collinsworth hates us, blah, blah, blah. Every announcer, wah, wah, wah. I get it. But, like, this this time actually felt like I, I, like, had a moment where I looked at everybody in the room and I was like, am I nuts? Like, am I crazy for feeling like that was a dirty hit and it's getting totally white? You're absolutely right because if the the tables are turned and that's Russell Wilson that goes out of the game or that's, you know, Aaron Aaron Rodgers that goes out of the game. And I'm not implying that Carson Wentz... Is those guys? It's it's not even to say that he is of that caliber. The part it, it's just it's a major play and it had huge consequences. It, the biggest, it really was the biggest play of the game, you know. Reg- yeah. reg- you know, at the end of the day, he, more than anything else that happened in the game, that was the biggest play. This is the thing. This is like my specialty because I did this for a living. But that that that's a that that's not a, a Chris Collinsworth or a Al Michaels issue necessarily. It's a producer issue. It's uh you know somebody is sitting there in the booth. Say you know is in their ear and who's directing the broadcast? Yeah, well, Fred Gaudelli. You have a director and a is. producer. It's kind of two different things. You have the director pushes the buttons, a technical director runs the sound, all that crap. And there's a producer who's kind of like saying, "Okay, you got to get in somebody's ear and you got to say, hey, let's talk about the Wentz thing. You know, let's talk about this hit. You know, we got the Jadavion Clowney, you know, almost ripping uh, Nick Foles' head off last year. Did anybody remember that? You know, you got you're talking about these things behind the scenes. You're talking about these things." In a control room, and you're thinking, you know, how can we approach it for the second half? Like, I feel, I feel like it was just a, la- a lack of uh, awareness of of the significance of that throughout. You know, so it's not necessarily. I can't blame like how old's Al Michaels, like seventy five or eighty or whatever. You know? Like his call on the fourth and seven after <laughs> McCown got sacked was just like, well, and he goes down. It was, it was like. I mean that's a game, man. That's a game. <laughs> give me some like emotion or something like that. But I, so I wouldn't put it on those guys necessarily. But somebody's got to be in their ear saying, "Hey, here's here's what we want to talk about. Here's kind of the theme. You know, let's let's make sure we hammer this point home." Like, you know, to me that's kind of it goes like further down the food chain or back or sideways, however you want to direct it. You know, are they kind of in bed with the NFL at that point though? Like that's who they're servicing. So it's like. Hey, uh, you know, we don't want to call into question the inconsistencies of the league. Like, we don't want to uh, highlight well, and, yeah. and Goodell's in and attendance. Goodell's there. I mean, there's always you can go conspiracy theories on that, but yeah, I mean, there's always there's there's always kind of an unwritten thing where it's like, you know, let's not highlight something that's kind of like a sore spot for the league. You know what I mean? It's like if you know, you kind of have like a, this understanding that that some things are just taboo, and you're not going to like talk about them as much as you typically. Would. All right, here we go. Oh, it's time, guys. The NFL, the, the the sport, is broken. Not let me let me clarify. The NFL as a business is thriving. It's doing great. Everybody's betting on football. The sport couldn't be in a the the game the business of the of the sport of football couldn't be in a better spot. The sport itself, what we are seeing played out on football fields across America in this league is broken and it's broken because the league has broken it they have created over the past decade so many changes and rules and interpretations and everything that it has left everyone from the referees to the people broadcasting the game to the people covering the game 
kind of sort of walking on eggshells because they don't all, no one knows what anything is anymore. No one knows how to ask a question because they don't know if it was something that was really illegal or not. No one knows how to make a call, throw a penalty flag because they don't know if it's a penalty. They don't know if they should blow a whistle because it's a fumble or not. Nobody knows anything. How about the Buffalo the Buffalo game the, in the end zone with right. the Insane. touchdown that gets called? Completely don't know. All right, and, and I find it kind of humorous that the Saints lost on a play on a rule that was put in because of them. Yep. Okay, I, I really find it humorous. You know, you talk about isn't it ironic? We started the show with that, but it's it's really that kind of thing. And you know, it, was it a push off? Maybe the fact that they didn't even review it tells you that the league is broken and it just needs to fix itself. I'm not sure it ever will, but something needs to happen where this entire league needs to just say what we've done in the last 10 years Let's kind of change it. Let's blow it up and start over. Let's go back to the rules in 2010, whatever the rules were in 2010. Let's look at that and say, okay, let's take it from there. And now what do we really need to put in? Because we don't need all this nonsense because it's ruined the game. Well, you just kind of got to take what you have and you got you to identify what's important and then you have to simplify it as much as possible. Yes. You know, and, and then you get this problem too where you got a bunch of people today, for example, saying, well, Malcolm Jenkins knocked Brandon Cooks out of the Super Bowl. How is that any different? Well, number one, the lowering the helmet rule wasn't around right. back then. Number two, he wasn't hitting the quarterback. You know, number three, there was probably enough time that Cooks was in possession, you know, cutting back and being hit on the blind side that he wasn't a defenseless receiver. But then you get all these things. You got, like, making a football move, a defenseless receiver, like all these phrases, you know, yeah. landing with his weight on the quarterback. You know, if there's a way to take all of this terminology – kind of take four or five different things and lump them into one thing that makes sense or like kind of just make the terminology a little bit under easier to understand, try to simplify it as much as possible, then you wouldn't have what you're getting here because we have basically two different explanations for two plays that were very similar with Carson Wentz in Atlanta, Carson Wentz with Jadavion Clowney here. And furthermore, you got these referees who were talking to the pool reporter. And, I mean, in case you're not aware, like when we say pool reporter, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy – there's usually one designated member of the media who is assigned to talk to the referees after the game, so they get the, the quote from the ref, and then they sh they share it uh, with the rest of the group. They're they're pooling their resources basically, right? So, but but you got you know the ref last night basically like admitted that he didn't get to watch the replay before he's hand handing his comments to the pool reporter, and then we're going off of of that as an official statement, which is incomplete, right? You know, so in in what's the recurring theme here? The recurring theme is that they have to just try to simplify this and like try to try to help themselves because I feel like every year it's some it's something different. But know? I think that the reason that they don't is that the league has found that the more controversy it creates, the more people talk about it, the more popular it becomes, and we've basically turned a professional sport into a soap opera. Is it that? But do you it's, do you it's think taking that the, it's taking the WWE model. Okay, no, but I'm serious but do they with have this. To? They don't but, need that. Like, it's not. But that that it's it's what keeps them above the NBA. Like people still going to be watching either way. Here, here's here's my take. Like people said that all the Kaepernick crap all it was going to like cost the league fans. Right? No, it, it didn't. Did. It got they got more. So yeah. So that's my argument. But, but like they're still going to be like on top. Like regardless, I think I don't know if they have to. I'm not saying it's not like, like anybody's going to take the XFL sake, as like, like a, a credible threat. Right? No. No, until no, until no. they're able to start wooing away the top prospects from college with be maybe better guaranteed money up front, which would be almost impossible yeah, to do. Like that, yeah. that to me is the only way for them to 
get any kind of a, a legitimacy behind their league because you're certainly not going to get players that have been playing in the NFL in their prime to defect. Well, I think one of the things that NBA, to, to Anthony's point, one of the things that NBA has been able to capitalize on really well is kind of like allowing these social media things to play out and allowing the individuality of certain guys yeah. and these like, you know, kind of beefs or not beefs, pseudo beefs kind of to develop. And then you have the craziness of, uh, you know, super teams and free agency and stuff like that. And there's a little bit more personality, a little bit more individuality there. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're in those types of storylines. The NBA has now raised its profile with that. So, yeah, I mean, these these things, whether they're uh, inadvertent or not, like you're t- you're right, they do help the, you know, them stay in the, the A block of first take. You know, versus which is like being which that's most important, which is most important. <laughs> Although I gotta <laughs> say, I was kind of like, I was kind of like confused today because I had it on, I had it on in the background. I had it on, I had like the volume muted or something like that. And uh, every time I looked over, they just had, they were talking about Mike McCarthy. I'm like, did they, t- did they talk about the Eagles game at all? Did I love that too, the by the way. Jerry or? Jones, the late game on Sunday afternoon, there's that unwritten rule of you don't make your coaching announcements while the, <laughs> yes. the playoffs are unfolding. And there he is. The Eagles, who knock his team out of the you know out of the playoffs, essentially. So give me a Mike McCarthy take. He's a guy. Mike Nolan stinks too. Is he an upgrade over Jason Garrett? I don't know. Kev, the four of us would be an upgrade over Jason Garrett. Lateral move. Wow. Just play play along with me here. <laughs> Lateral move. I, don't I guess think I, I would guess be we'll find out. We'll find out how much. <laughs> Maybe I'd be I, a breath of fresh air, but I don't really know what I'm talking Green about. Green Bay's found success this season. I guess we'll find out if if it was really all Aaron Rodgers, the golden boy of the media, or if McCarthy really had anything to do with it. If if he manages to turn that Cowboys team around and, and win 11 games next year, 12 games I'll next give you year, a then... Mike, I'll give you a Mike McCarthy comparison. Uh, how about Mac Brown, Texas head coach okay. from back in the day? Won a national title game, played in another one, and then just kind of like progressively like it all just petered out. Like I think there was a shelf life on that. You know, I mean, Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl, but he won so a how? Super Bowl in 13 seasons with arguably the greatest quarterback of the last 30 so your years. Argument is that he, he should have won another. Yes. One. Yeah. Same thing with Sean Payton. Like as good as he is, you won one Super Bowl with that quarterback in that offense. Yeah, I, one. I, I agree. All right, fine. We've we've now opened a can of worms about coaching on the other side. Let's get a take from Russ on the other side. <laughs> we'll get into the coaching hires. And what we forecast for the Eagles going forward. But also, I'm going to tell you why. After the disgusting, gutless performance put on display by Jason Peters in yesterday's Mm. game, (laughs) it is time for the bodyguard to walk away and never return. You're listening to Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And we are back on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hey, DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available now in Pennsylvania. As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top rated sportsbook app. With so much going on, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever whenever with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. This week, DraftKings has pro a pro basketball promo that you don't want to miss. It's simple. Bet on the Philadelphia team to win. If they score 76 points first and end up losing, you get your bet back up to $25. Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the United States, not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another book and take advantage of DraftKings' great 
sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. That's all one word, CROSSINGBROAD. For limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Big bet, Bob. You got a bet for us. Yeah, I like the under tonight in the Jazz Pelicans game. 219 and a half. Uh, Drew Holiday out, averaging 19.6 points per game. Jazz last in the NBA in shots per game. New Orleans likes to push the pace, but without Holiday, I think that that one's going to go under the total. So that's one for you guys to ride. Hey, you must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Malcolm Jenkins said that he does not want to come back with the same contract that he has right now. He's going into the final year of it. He is currently the 10th highest paid safety, I believe, uh, now that the guy from Tennessee got his big deal. Um, What do we think about that? Yeah, so the concern is if you lose him, who's your leader on defense? I buy into that, and if if you've followed this team the last three years, I think the leadership aspect has been immensely important to their success. So you lose him, and who are you looking to? Brandon Graham? Fletcher Cox? Is he ready to assume that role? You know, I think he's more of a lead-by-example kind of guy. Not not only that, he's got the gravitas at a time when you have other holes that you need to fill. Mm -hmm. Why why create another hole? Buy into into what he needs. Well, you don't have to. I think what his salary is, I mean, to get up to like a – you could give him like another million dollars. And put him in like the top five. I mean, right. there's there's not a big discrepancy between where he well, is and to the that, to the top. That's of what I'm saying. So if, I, list, if yeah. I'm the Eagles, I give him what he we'll wants. Find a way to do the, it. The yeah, problem there becomes you want to get a little bit more speed in your secondary. He's essentially he's an outside linebacker at this point, right? Well, I mean, like yeah, that's he's what up he on, is playing up on the line. And yeah, so you know, but you know, from a scheme standpoint, maybe you move on. But I, I just think he's too invaluable. Did you want to do your take, Russ, about uh, Jason Peters? This is all I'm gonna say. In a season where we had practice squad guys filling important roles, Andre Dillard was robbed of the opportunity to develop in meaningful games down the stretch because this team, for some reason, decided that they needed to stick with Jason Peters as their left tackle. And it wasn't as if Jason Peters had been playing at this elite level all season. It's not as if he had proved his durability once again this season. He went out for an extended period of time. They could have gotten Andre Dillard meaningful steps, and instead we go into next season once again this, this organization likes to go and give guys their swan song. And for me, it's time to move on. It's been time for two years to, to move on from Jason Peters. I saw somebody today on Twitter put out the idea of why don't you move him into guard and then have Dillard play tackle. To me, it's a waste of time. And go back and just, it felt like every play that Clowney made yesterday was just showing that once again, he victimized, decimated, conquered Jason Peters. It cannot be your plan at left tackle. Going into next season, he was far from the worst player on the field, far from the biggest problem, but you need to get better and get younger at that position. Here, here. And draft. draft. I don't think like, he's going to be back. I don't say it. Dilly dilly. I agree. You, you don't did. take a guy in the first round and then and then leave no, him on the bench I mean, for no, two you years. Can't. You just you don't can't. do they it. Should we, this is a conversation we had last year. It was a conversation we had the year before. I mean, like, uh, enough. enough. And it is sucks enough. because... Yeah. If you had taken the last couple right of years off, out right of this, right off into the Pro Bowl sunset, I, I would have loved yeah. two years ago. Yeah. I would have been all in on Jason Peters' final season. You wanted the redemption tour after he missed the Super Bowl, fine. But you saw it even last year; it just wasn't there. You saw I was it at the year. Washington game on Monday Night Football two seasons ago when he went down, and you felt like there goes their season. 
you know, yeah. but they recovered from that, and I think that they've proven that they can win without I, him. I honestly have never had a player in all of Philadelphia that I went from holding as a real treasure as, as somebody who's a cornerstone player of a team and end up hating them at the end or hating their presence on the team as much as, I've, as I have with Jason Peters. What else do you want to talk about before I deliver my Mount Rushmore? Chris Long. We'll Chris, talk about Chris Long uh, skewering mm. Josina Anderson, or uh, Josiner, as the British would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, she's, uh, you know, you you can be like a reporter and you can be around NFL locker rooms and you can do what she does or whatever, but just like, like everything is so obvious. Like there's a, there's a clear pattern with the way that she reports things and, you know, what the topics are and the players that she's talking about, the teams that she focuses on. I mean, it's, it's very – very obvious that's all I'll say. The, the just to recap the everybody's Tory probably seen it but, but Tori Holt tweeted uh at Justine Anderson said it's always something with Wentz in comes McCown he later deleted the tweet and she quote tweeted it and said I hear you Tori and she never took it down does anybody want to read the Chris Long tweet go ahead Russ Chris Long responds and says Justine Anderson players need to know what time it is when you come around a building talking on a dude about a head injury and covering football for a living, tisk tisk. And then he says, uh, and you were responding to someone I, I greatly respect in Tory Holt. I was disappointed to see that, but he deleted the tweet. Maybe he didn't know what the injury was. No idea. But you knew damn well by 544. Be blessed. Athletes know what time it is. You know this, Ant. Like, there are guys, they are, yeah. well, they know who is the real deal in the locker room and who's just making up BS or who's trying to stir it up. Right. You know? I mean, Philadelphia Union locker room, there was a bunch of guys who wouldn't talk to one dude, like would, would not talk to him at all because of things that he said about him that were just like not true or like on, only negative, you know. So, yeah, I mean, when Chris Long says that, that's there's actually like real truth behind it. They probably already knew what time it was based on all the exactly all the nonsense that happened before it. Exactly. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to deliver you my Mount Rushmore. <laughs> the first of 2020. I'm going to give you my uh, Mount Rushmore of hockey teams Ooh. that have relocated. Um, it's not a great topic, but I really couldn't think of anything else at the last minute. And I heard you guys talking about hockey on Snow the Goalie, uh, Philadelphia's premier hockey show. Is that how you're bringing it? The only. The only one. I'm Flyers sorry, radio yes. show. Yeah, same, di- same difference. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you my yeah, – same difference. I'm going to give you my Mount Rushmore of hockey teams that have relocated, starting with the Atlanta Thrashers. Who became Russ? The Winnipeg Jets. That's correct. That's right. Uh, I'll give you the Hartford Whalers, who became Bob. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna pass. <laughs> <laughs> they became the, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, yeah. Big from the uh, guy. Rob the, Brindamore there, yeah. right? The yeah. bustling wow. metropolis of Quebec City to the bustling metropolis. Of Raleigh, North Carolina. No, not Quebec no, City. No, Hartford. You, Hartford. Oh, oh Hartford. I'm sorry. That, you, you that was my. Oh, I was Quebec, looking at the Quebec Nordique. Quebec Nordique. Yeah. That was my third. My favorite. One, my sorry. favorite thing about the Hartford Whalers is their arena was in a mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's in a Paul mall. Holmgren. Well, it fits. Yes. It fits what I was trying to say. Yes. Yeah, and that's oh, not a you. bustling metropolis. Oh, either. Big Ben Bob. Oh, yeah. Little hockey now. Big hockey guy. I'll give you my final one. The Nordiques was number three. I've. But you didn't say where. Yeah, but you didn't say where they went. The Quebec Colorado, Nordiques right? went to Colorado. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, they became the Avalanche. And yeah. the Avalanche, the uh, Colorado Rockies well, were a hockey team. Gonna, I'm going to get to that because I know they're not that on your list. list. Okay. No, that's, that's beyond my time. Uh, my final one is the Minnesota North Stars. Yeah. Who became Bob. The Dallas Stars. There you go. Yes. But I got we, I, I got a little bit more on that. Boom. So the, so the North Stars, I'm glad you put it in there. Yeah. The North Stars were actually a team that relocated, who were, who were a team that relocated. 
in, in a sense. So so here's what happened. So North Stars actually came into the league with the Flyers in 1967. So everybody mm-hmm. says, okay, well, maybe they weren't somebody else. But they came in with a team called the California Golden Seals. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. California ooh, Gold, ooh. the California Golden Seals who played in Oakland. Uh, they they uh, were in a bad shape financially. They moved to Cleveland, became yes. the Cleveland Barons. Okay, okay, the Cleveland Barons lasted two years. They were struggling. The North Stars were struggling. The NHL was going to get off. the NHL was going to get rid of both teams. And then they decided, let's just merge. So the Barons and the North Stars merged together to play in Minnesota. Yeah. And then the Minnesota went and Here's a question. How, how did the team in Minnesota fail initially? It was all about the owner. The owner wanted to move to Texas. You would just think it would have played so well. Yeah, there. he was. it was not. It, it does play well. I mean, they went put yeah. the Wild back in, right? Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, but it is more of a college hockey town than it is a pro hockey town. Let me ask you a question. Uh, The Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, lost its franchise not once, but twice. Twice, Uh, Has that happened to any other city in any sport that you can think of? Losing losing the same team twice. It happened a lot in the NFL. I remember doing this. Los, for, Los Angeles. Los An- well, Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. O- Oakland twice now. O- yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the Raiders going to what? Are, they're moving into like the Las Vegas Death, Death Star or something. Yeah, they're going to Las big, Vegas big, now. Uh, yeah, it looks like a spaceship or you, something. You mentioned the Colorado Rockies. Uh, yeah, uh, they were originally the Kansas City Scouts. Okay. The Scouts became the Rockies. The Rockies became the New Jersey Devils. If you could move one team in the NHL right now, which team would it be, and where would you move them? It would have to be Florida, just because it doesn't draw. The Panthers are just a, a, a miserable draw down there. They get they get half the arena full, and three quarters of the people who go out of that half yeah. are from the visiting team. Would Coach Q go with them, or would he come to the Flyers? <laughs> yeah. I, where would I put that team? I would put that team back in Quebec. That's, I, put I think them that, back in Quebec. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a city that you don't needs... think re- uh, restarting the Hartford Whalers is a is no a, is a news item. No, well, you know, they're they're expanding next year or two years. They're going to have the Seattle team. They haven't announced the team name yet. Yeah, I'm rooting hard for the Kraken. The Kraken. Yeah, I'd love for it to be I the like Seattle that. Kraken. Yeah, Seattle, uh, the Mariners, the Kraken, the <laughs> Sounders yeah. and the Seahawks, yeah, those would be the four teams yeah. they would be missing out on basketball. Basketball, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and they had the they had the Grizzlies up there too for a while. They were originally on this, but then I just uh, I tweaked it to be hockey teams only. I'm sick and tired of expansion. You're I tired also, of expansion. I also need MLS. I know that they're done expanding now, which I'm happy about. Oh, it's I listened to uh, Mr. Kincaid over there over on his uh, soccer podcast. It's always soccer in Philadelphia, part there of the Crossing go. Broad Podcast Network. So make sure you go check that out if you're a Union fan. Didn't they say if the hockey team does well, they try to bring back the basketball team too? Well, they'd love to. They'd love to bring the Sonics back to see. The Sonics should have been the one that that led the way. Yeah. If the NBA had really done its fans a service, the Sonics should have been the ones to lead. And now you got to start with the hockey team. Seattle's got good sports fans. They do. The Seahawks fans are great. The Sounders, uh, they, they play at, at CenturyLink too, and they fill that up. So I mean, mm. I don't see why that. I, I, Love know, the I don't know what Mariners. Gary I don't. Pete and Sean Kemp. What are uh, Bob? Mm. What are Mariners? What, what are the Mariners fans like? I think that's actually a pretty decent crowd. It is. Honestly. Like, was there in his peak, and yeah. so like, it's a cross sport thing. Like they yeah. support all the sports. Yeah. Felix Hernandez pitch there. I mean, that yeah. was a, a spirited crowd. King Felix. Yeah. 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 That was good baseball knowledge out of me. Yeah, very good. Jay Buner. Jay Buner. Jay Buner. We got to wrap this up. Uh, oh, one quick, one quick. Uh, since we did hockey, one quick note that broke here during the show. Former Flyers coach Peter Laviolette fired by the Nashville Predators. Fired. Got to get some jam in the building. Yeah, fired by the Predators. Hey, we want to thank Ryan Lennox for producing this fantastic broadcast. We'll see you again next week here on Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.